Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 137 of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Today on the show, we've got Kyle O'Keefe joining us, and Kyle is the Director of Innovation and Programs for the Solid Waste Authority of Central Ohio. And during this episode, we talk about how folks over the Solid Waste Authority of Central Ohio manage over 2 billion pounds of solid waste throughout the year here in Franklin County alone. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. We learn a lot about not only how our waste gets managed, but different ways you can recycle and some of the different options that you have available to you here in the area. I definitely think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. And as always, we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that, though, we want to take a quick moment to thank some of our sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that's going to start with FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And our last sponsor is Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Finally, if you've ever wondered what it takes to start your own podcast, we're here to help. We're putting together a podcast startup package with our recommendations and some of the key lessons we learned over the past two years of podcasting. You can sign up by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. And while you're there, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook and be sure to subscribe and share Conquering Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we've got Kyle O'Keefe joining us, and Kyle is the Director of Innovation and Programs for the Solid Waste Authority of Central Ohio, also known as SWACO. 
And Kyle's role at Swaco focuses on creating community-supported waste reduction and diversion programs that help to build stronger and more resilient communities in Central Ohio through environmental, social, and economic stewardship. And we are really excited to have him here on the show today. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Kyle. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and so how's your day going so far? So far, so good. A nice, brisk uh, January day. Uh, excited to be here talking to all of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not warm outside. <laughs> so usually we like to start is kind of kick it back and uh, talk about, you know, your career path and your growth up to where you are today. So you could start as early as childhood or whatever is the most monumental parts for mm-hmm. you throughout that path and what sticks out the most. No, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, uh, you know what? I think if I would have looked at myself uh, 20 years ago today, I never would have guessed I'd be here. I think a lot of people probably uh, have that in their profession. Um, but no, growing up, uh, actually my, my family, uh, my father uh, was a developer, so he's constantly building construction projects. And, and I think through seeing what he was doing, um, both inspired me to know, hey, if you have a vision for something, you can go and create it and see it happen. But also, you know, in that process, so much waste, you know, is created and the designs aren't that efficient. And so I was always looking at it and wondering, how can we improve this? How can we make these kind of designs of systems more efficient, more effective? And that inspired me along the way. Um, You know, I went to school, actually uh, studied ecotourism. I got my degree in ecotourism and uh, shortly after actually went and did some traveling, ended up uh, in the Virgin Islands of all places, uh, ended up working on a sustainable uh, farm. It's actually called the Virgin Islands Sustainable Farm Institute. And so, yeah, that wasn't Sounds a bad like gig. Reasonable yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, so we were in uh, on St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And, you know, it was a great experience. I mean, leaving college, kind of, you know, living on an island, the step that kind of got me there too was, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term permaculture or not. A lot of people probably hear that term more often today, but um, before I went to the island, I actually took part in this permaculture design course. It was actually the first permaculture design course in the state of Ohio. And uh, the course, is the, the concept is basically a design philosophy around ecological principles. So how can we design things, both systems, food systems, buildings, things like that, so that they're more sustainable and, and designed more, kind of to be more resilient. Um, which then led me to the Virgin Islands and there, you know, kind of working with students, uh, looking at, you know, how do you kind of design solar energy? How do you grow your own food? How do you plan for uh, water on your, on your farm? And the farm, which is about 200 acres, was completely off-grid, so it was completely self-dependent on its food, on its energy, on its water. Um, and so I got to help teach some of those classes. I got to help do a lot of that. It also brought to mind, hey, when you're living on an island, you need to be more mindful about the resources that you're consuming and also what you're disposing of because, you know, it's more expensive. You have limited capacity to dispose of things. And so it really gets you to think about, hey, how are we doing as a society too uh, in terms of how we're using our resources? And that question really stuck with me. As if designing things isn't hard enough, then you throw the eco-friendliness element into it, and then it probably just makes things 100 times more complex. So I'm curious to hear, as you were going through that experience in the islands, what sticks out to you that you learned the most throughout that? Like, for me, something that I'd be curious to know is what what do they do with their waste? Do they just throw it into the ocean? Do they build landfills there like we do here? Um, What does it look like in terms of getting their resources in and out? Do they have shipments coming in and out daily? and, And what were the biggest struggles for you guys? Yeah, um, so pretty much all goods, for the most part, are were shipped in on the island there, and 
they did have a landfill um, you know and so that landfill has a limited life and it was uh, it was growing in size and nature and you hear about things like these hurricanes that go through too and, and imagine the amount of waste that gets added to that landfill but I do remember seeing these little collective community dumps that would occur on the island and kind of how people would have to dispose of things. So when you're throwing away tires, you're thinking, oh, how can we use this tire more effectively? How can we use these resources more appropriately, reuse them, recycle them, uh, integrate them more? Um, so all of that kind of stuck with me and that, the effect it had was, hey, you know how much opportunity there is in, in back home in the US and the mainland there that, you know, how abundant resources are? and how much opportunity there can be to kind of better, better utilize those resources too. Um, so that really actually drove me back, back home. Um, ended up uh, actually working down in southeastern Ohio for a small nonprofit called Rural Action. And kind of an environmental economic development type of organization. And they had kind of, um, kind of the interest and motivation to start a whole new program, uh, which became the Appalachia Ohio Zero Waste Initiative. And I was fortunate to help start that program and, and be the director of that program. Um, and it was really looking at, hey, look, we're in Appalachia, Ohio, and we need jobs here. Um, we need opportunities to create and build the economy. And so a lot of funders, a lot of local partners got together, helped to support this project. And basically we did that. We helped to support local entrepreneurs and saying, hey, you want to start a business utilizing the waste stream? Let us help you. Um, so that was a great experience and uh, ultimately led me back here to Columbus, where I'm from, um, and working for Swaco. So during your time down in the Appalachia Project, how were you helping and working with entrepreneurs? Like, what did that relationship look like? What were some of the initiatives that came out of that time there? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It kind of ranged uh, widely. So, uh, for example, there's um, what we call it a material recovery facility, and in, in the acronym kind of sums it up to be we call a MRF in, uh, in the recycling industry. And it's really where materials go to become processed and they actually get separated and bailed and then shipped off to companies who process them further and turn them into products. And so even in that region, it needed help with growing that kind of infrastructure. So we did a lot of work to you know, create investments in terms of establishing those types of facilities, working with nonprofits down there and public entities to do that. Um, we also helped uh, you know, small entrepreneurs who were looking at you know, even composting facilities. So a gentleman that started a business down in Athens, Ohio that we worked with um, that started a, 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 a compost exchange is what it was called there. And now he started a business here up in Columbus called Innovative Organics Recyclers. Um, so those are examples of businesses that we would, we would work with. Um, even at Rural Action, we also started a really kind of unique company um, that was going out and helping events, large scale events, um, actually achieve kind of zero waste at these events. And so we started putting together these different business models and shopping them around. And it was really cool. Uh, we, we started with the Nelsonville Music Festival, which a lot of folks are familiar with, and um, really looked at it from a systems approach and what are all the inputs, what are the policies, what are the kind of programs and infrastructure needed. And it really became this cultural thing at the festivals where people would look at it and talk about how, how clean it was, how much material was getting recycled. And we make it very visible. And so all of those things are continuing to live and grow and um, you know, inspire the community to do more. And speaking of inspiring the community to do more, so I mean, I'm sure most people who listen to this podcast know I, I grew up in California, mm -hmm. um, and it was a little different in terms of, I mean, we had 
know, blue bins in our backyards. They all, we had compost bins. We had all kinds of different, and it seemed like it was everybody knew, like, hey, you're supposed to recycle, you're supposed to compost. You know, it was just standard. Yeah. And I think when I first got to Ohio, it wasn't that way uh, so much. I think that there was a lot less awareness around it when I first got here. And I think I've definitely seen a shift as I've been here over the past seven or eight years that people are starting to really see that more. So how do you guys, do you guys spend any time going about helping to spread that awareness? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, a couple of things. One, your point being that, you know, waste is it's a fascinating subject because it's really kind of um, this byproduct, this output of our culture and our behaviors and our consumption. And um, in the U.S., we generate so much solid waste. And so why Ohio is so interesting, I think, to others, too, because we're this, you know, Midwestern city. We're this model community to test new products, this kind of, you know, demographic. And so, um, you know, we generate a lot of waste here. We actually landfill over a million tons of solid waste annually that's generated just from Franklin County residents and businesses. Um, and that all comes to the Franklin County Sanitary Landfill. And that, that's growing. That's growing by, you know, 2 to 3% a year. Um, and we see that growth through things like a growing economy here, people moving here, um, all of these things, which is contributing to the amount of waste that we're throwing away. But it's really a cultural issue. So, you know, when we think about this, part of Swaco and who we are, we do a couple of things. One is we're, we're a state agency, so we're actually a government entity. Um, our foremost goal is to kind of manage the whole waste stream. Um, our kind of our jurisdiction is all Franklin County, so it includes the city of Columbus and about 40 other communities, cities, villages, and townships. And really, our goal is to actually keep material out of the landfill. We own and operate the landfill, but our statutory responsibility is to actually reduce the amount of, of waste generated and to create diversion programs, waste diversion programs that divert material from the landfill. Um, so we're actually really unique in the respect that we own and operate a landfill, and that's our goal as well. And some people say, well, isn't that conflicting? You know, you're trying to own this landfill and, and you're also trying to keep it out. Well, really, we see the landfill as a public asset. And if we're doing our jobs, we're keeping that asset available to the community because it does have a finite life. And so we want to try and divert more material. So kind of a roundabout way to answering your question, though, that, um, you know, to do that, we offer a number of programs, services uh, to the public. And one of those is actually to create education and awareness programs that help to kind of get everybody answering those basic questions we all have, right, about can I recycle this, can I recycle that, you know, what am I supposed to do with this piece of furniture, these types of things. So making that easier to uh, understand and, and take action on. Definitely. And I think, so I guess to follow up on that, when it comes to keeping things out of the landfill, mm -hmm. right, you see there's a lot of options out there. Uh, I think you see a lot, of, I've read a couple times in the journal about people burning for energy and things like that, but how do you balance that desire to keep things out of the landfill with that eco-friendly side of things, which is, hey, we gotta protect the environment, avoid greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, you start burning garbage like that, it does release a lot of um, yeah. CO2. So how do you guys balance that act? Okay. I'm sorry, none yeah, of this was on the yeah. outline. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> These are great questions. Um, and I think, again, the fascinating part about you know, solid waste is that it has, it doesn't need to happen, right? I mean, there's a better solution and someday we'll get there where we don't have to generate this waste because there's other options or other ways to manage it. And I think we're working towards solving those problems, which is a lot of fun. Um, but 
you know, there's always a benefit no matter where you are or who you are to reducing waste. So it's really about understanding the audience. And so, for some folks, it's about the environment, which is absolutely true because, you know, all this waste, this is resources from all, all around the world today that we're disposing of here in our backyard. Um, so it has a tremendous effect on extracting that material, transporting that material, um, the, the resources that go into those products. Um, but it's also an economic equation. Uh, waste and recycling is big business. Uh, we just did an economic impact study uh, this past year that identified over 370 businesses in the surrounding Franklin County region that actually you know, recycle materials, create new products from recycled content, um, and support over 5,000 jobs in the region. So, I mean, there is an economic part of this equation that makes sense. So a lot of folks respond to that angle. Um, but even more so too, I mean, there, there's value to this material that we're putting into the landfill. So, um, you know, a lot of these materials that are being donated or reused today support jobs maybe for um, like Goodwill services. So they have a lot of social impacts as well. And so right now that is having a tremendous impact about actually about half of the material that we generate, close to 1 million tons is actually diverted right now from the landfill and is recycled. So there's a tremendous amount of material that's diverted and not going to the landfill, but there's so much more that could be diverted too, right? And that can only benefit our community. And then where does it start? Like when you go to dive into these initiatives, it's like there's so many different angles I'm sure that you could take and so many problems to solve at once. What is your core focus right now and what has been the core focus for the past few years for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been at Swaco for about uh, almost four years um, here in March. Um, so I'm the director of innovation and programs and basically I look at that diversion side of things. I, I basically look at all the types of resources that we can divert material. And when you look at the waste stream, you can actually identify what's in the waste stream. And that helps you to say, where do we focus? We're actually doing a study right now. We're, we're sampling the waste stream uh, each season. We work with a company who goes in there and for a whole week kind of samples the material that's coming in. So they actually hand sort through all that material. And so we do that for four seasons to help us understand like, okay, what are the biggest categories? What are the biggest opportunities that we can tackle? Um, and as we look at that, I mean, different things emerge. Uh, food waste is one of them, um, which we're kicking off a very large initiative just to focus on how do we tackle food waste in Central Ohio. Um, we're also looking at other opportunities like commercial businesses. Um, right now, you, uh, folks on the, on the listening to the podcast can't tell, but we actually have folks that are cleaning this facility and um, you know, helping these types of facilities and establishments get recycling started is, is a big opportunity. I think we're, that's one of the deficiencies probably in Central Ohio today is that almost 97% of single family households in Franklin County have access to a curbside recycling program yet a lot of multifamily or commercial kind of apartment complexes don't, and neither do a lot of businesses. So helping get those types of programs and resources into play is a priority for us. That makes a lot of sense, I guess. So my question would be then, what, what are you guys doing? I guess, how do you go about that? I know that in California, right, it's just a legally mandated thing you have to have. If you're gonna operate a residential property, you have to have blue recycling bins out. So is it a legal push? Are you guys lobbying Ohio government? Are you reaching out to the senators? Like what's that process look like? That's a great question. Um, so Ohio currently doesn't have too many 
um, statewide policies that uh, make those types of pushes. And some of them can be adopted at the local level. So how we kind of look at the system, we have like four basic pillars that we try to focus on when we think about programs. One is the infrastructure. You gotta have the infrastructure available to kind of collect that material, process that material, do all of that. And a lot of that infrastructure is, exists today. Two, you've gotta have the education aspect, right? So even if you have that recycling bin or whatever, you gotta know what to put in it, or you gotta know what kind of services are available and how to use those services. But then it gets a little bit more complicated too, right? You have to have policy, which is you know, one of the third aspects here. You had a policy to be able to drive these things home. And I think this is probably one of the merging fields too for Ohio and for us here locally, is to create supported and informed policy. Policies that make sense and make economic sense, but also benefit our community in diverting material from the landfill. So that's one of the angles that we really need to work on. And the fourth is really around kind of markets and economic development, right? We don't want to just have programs to have programs because they have a cost, but we want them to actually drive, we want to be market driven and help to support our local economy as well. And those are kind of the pillars that we work from when we think about programs, when we think about food waste, when we think about curbside recycling, when we think about these materials, um, we're kind of thinking about it through that lens. You mentioned a little bit about the food waste and some of the other different uh, waste types that you see coming through. What can individuals do across the city or in general to reduce the amount of waste they're producing? Yeah, food waste is a really kind of uh, fascinating topic, and it's emerging around the country as this big issue or this big opportunity, which it is. I mean, you think about, you know, all the food that's grown and what goes into you know, the water to grow that food, you know, the, the energy to, to grow it, to collect it, the, the nutrients, everything that, that contributes to it, all for it to be uh, disposed of. I mentioned, you know, looking at what goes into our waste stream right now, you know, we estimate that somewhere between 13 to 15 percent of all the material that gets thrown away in Franklin County is food waste, you know, alone. That's a significant, it's almost the single largest category of material that's ending up in our landfill. Um, all of that creates greenhouse gases as well um, that, you know, through methane and everything else. So it's a really big opportunity for us to tackle that. All the meanwhile, you know, some studies have suggested that one in six individuals in Franklin County um, are food insecure, right? So we're looking at this and we're saying, well, this doesn't make sense, you know, let's find a better way to address that. Um, so last uh, September, of 2018, we actually launched a whole new initiative called the Central Ohio Food Waste Initiative. And it's really this sort of collective approach working with schools, agencies, businesses, restaurants, um, associations, and bringing them together to say, how collectively can we address food waste in Central Ohio? So we're actually going to be rolling out um, kind of Central Ohio's first food waste action plan here probably in another month or two. And that will really kind of serve as a roadmap for moving forward. Um, but there's a lot of things, right? You ask, you know, what can we do? A lot of that starts with the individual. And in fact, we, we've discovered that the, the largest amount of food waste that's disposed of is actually disposed of at your home. You know, it's not the restaurants, it's not the businesses either, but it's, it's us as, as individuals, as families, and, you know, throwing out this food waste. And so there's a lot of things we can do in our individual lives um, that may be uncomfortable you know, to, you know, look at that and challenge ourselves to reduce food waste at home. So you mentioned the 10 to 15% numbers that we threw out there? Uh, yeah, 13 to 15. 13 to 15. So what would be a natural level 
I mean, you guys, you might not have this off the top of your head, but I'm curious when I hear that number is, okay, so like, what is our benchmark in terms of if people just weren't, um, for lack of a better description, so wasteful? Like if people were scrutinizing more what they were throwing in and how much they can use of something, like if you're just looking at normal scraps like a chicken bone or like Mm -hmm. uh, just mold food or something like that. Yeah. um, You know, there's a lot of research going on to better understand some of those questions. But to your point, I mean, there's some things that we just can't eat right i mean there's some parts of oh you'd be surprised even, <laughs> like, like, uh, we uh, use you guys as examples of you know how we can do better but you're right i mean there's bones there's things there's you know stuff that we can't eat that that is inedible edible um but there's also things you mentioned like mold or food or stuff like that so part of it's even just you know eating our leftovers you know i have these conversations every day with people and it's sort of you know what, I can't get my kids to eat my leftovers, you know? So what can you do as a family too? And these are just some of the simple things that are cultural shifts and how we think. You know, you talk to um, some of those parents when they grew up and they're like, you know, you didn't leave the table until you finished all your food. Or, you know, there was never anything that we were throwing away. And, you know, that's, a, that's, that's part of the, the culture and our evolution. But there's very simple stuff that we can do. We can all take action you know, even going to the store and thinking about what you need to buy, making a conscious effort. Maybe I don't need to get those, you know, extra bananas or whatever it might be. Let's eat the ones at home first. So, you know, it's just going through that thought process, making an effort to think about it. So here's one for you. And it's, it's, it's actually a hotly debated topic between me and my fiance. So garbage disposal or trash can for food waste? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a good question and a tricky one as well. Um, and kind of concerning that that's a hot debate between you and your fiance. <laughs> but carry on with Well, your... I'm, I'm very appreciative. Uh, and, uh, you know, I always know the better half wins. So I'll try to be careful with my words. But um, She's probably. Right. It's okay. <laughs> of course she is. But, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because the garbage disposal is actually a really interesting Um, piece of this infrastructure, right? I talk about infrastructure. Well, that is one of these pieces of infrastructure that's part of that whole system. A lot of people today don't realize that, you know, there's an appropriate use for that garbage disposal, which I'll answer in a second, but when used appropriately, all of that material actually gets kept out of the landfill and actually goes towards creating soil amendments. Everything that goes down the drain through our water system, there's actually a whole treatment where we capture that and there's a facility who turns it into compost and uses it and sells it in, in, in beneficial uses for it. And so a lot of people don't know that. When you use your garbage disposal, it's actually getting diverted and being used really in an effective way. But you shouldn't put everything down the garbage disposal, right? So there's certain things that you should put down and certain things that you shouldn't put down. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, the examples is like if a, if a baby can eat it, it can go down the garbage disposal. If it's soft, if it's not too fibrous, you know, and if it's not like a fat or a grease or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, it can more or less go down. You want to be mindful about what you're putting down there, obviously. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we're doing with this initiative, it has its own website. It's called, well, right now it's a terrible name, if you will. <laughs> uh, and I won't call it terrible because I, I, did, I, I did create it, I guess. But... It's an acronym for Central Ohio Food Waste Initiative. And so it, it's C-O-F-W-I, or COFWI. <laughs> and so, but COFWI.org um, or .com, and people can go to that, and it'll have a whole kind of suite of resources. And it talks about, you know, how to use your garbage disposal properly. Interesting. Well, it's, I, you know what? It's funny that 
you know, when I asked that question, that wasn't the answer I expected. And it sounds like Shannon and I were both a little right, so I'm going to take it. <laughs> but it looks like Josh has got a question over here. So talking more about what is the regional waste stream, and then tell us more about the Recycle Right campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the waste stream is kind of what I was referring to earlier. It's just really, you know, over a million tons. Try to fathom a million tons of material, you know, that gets put into a landfill every year that's generated by you, myself, um, everybody in Franklin County, all the businesses, all the residents. So that's where we just put a number on it in pounds because that would be 2 billion pounds of waste, right? Am yeah. I doing that math yeah. right? 2,000 million? 2,000 uh, pounds going to one ton, so. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, okay. Yep, absolutely, yeah. And so, you know, it's almost incomprehensible, really, when you begin to think about those numbers. Um, but when you kind of begin to break it down, you can look at it by material type. Um, you can, and a lot of the other materials going in there are, are cardboard, right? Cardboard and paper. So you see a lot of that material being generated um, today. In fact, we see more material, more cardboard getting generated at the household level than ever before, right? We call it the Amazon effect. And so, you know, people are ordering more materials, and so they got these cardboard boxes. You know, getting people to recycle those boxes are really important. Um, so that all that's very easy to, to address. Uh, but then we also break it down further, and about 40% of that material that's coming to our landfill is generated by um, our residential, our communities here in Franklin County. The other 60% is actually generated by businesses or com you know, commercial businesses, basically. So a lot of opportunity on both of those fronts. All right, great. And did, did we uh, get a chance to dive in? So do we tell us a little more about the Recycle Right campaign here? Yeah. So I think um, all of us, you had a question earlier that was related to food waste and, and the garbage disposal, but I think uh, you know, all of us have questions about what can I recycle, right? Mm -hmm. um, we all sit with those questions and it, it's something we touch every day, right? Our waste, we deal with it every day and we're trying to make the best decisions for what we can do with it. The purpose of this campaign is really to answer those questions. One, get people to think about it a little bit and then have the resources at their fingertips to answer that. So we have a, a we're, we're kind of rolling this out. Um, we've done sort of a soft launch over the past uh, uh, few months, and you'll see a lot more of it. But there's a, a website called RecycleRight.org, um, which we encourage people to go to and take a look at. It's very interactive, helps to address those basic questions about what's recyclable, you know, how can I recycle, where can I recycle, and hey, even if it doesn't go into your your blue bin or your, or your recycling bin, there's a lot of other things too. So this, this website will have a search tool that you can basically click on, whether it's light bulbs or furniture or different things you wanna donate or dispose of or recycle. How can you do that? It's right at your fingertips. It's gonna tell you where you can do it, provide maps, resources on, on where to take that material, how to handle it properly. But yeah, you wanna keep um, you know, any kind of fruits or food out of the recycling bin. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions, you know, that we grew up with or we think, especially if we're moving, we're, we're a transient community here too. And so people might be moving for other parts of the country and say, oh, well, I could recycle this in California. Mm -hmm. Why can't I recycle this here? Um, and what we call that, what's going into the, the recycling bin that can't be recycled, we call that contamination, basically. And it's a big issue today. It's basically adding a lot of cost. It's diluting the value of recycling. And so... That's where it's like people want to recycle everything, but it's not necessarily the right thing to do to try and recycle everything. And so if people just re recycle these certain materials, then it'll actually be helping everybody. 
Um, so we don't want food waste in there. Not all plastics. So we have a plastic cup sitting on the table. Mm -hmm. And actually, plastic cups, um, we don't want those either. And I say we, it's not Swaco, but the facility who processes those materials here locally, that's Rumpke, um, can't process those materials. They don't have the economic value associated with them and the types of regional facilities who want to accept them and process them further. Those aren't available in, at the scale and size that we need them to be today. So that's all down the road a little bit. And one thing that I've always been curious about when I throw something into the recycle bin is like, and it's probably, I mean, I've asked a lot of dumb stuff in this show. This will probably be one of the top ones, but I have no idea what the process would look like once it makes it to you and how that would even be recycled. Like, do you just, do they light it on fire and burn it down to its core materials and then put it back together again? Or like, what does that look like? Yeah, and, and it is fascinating. Um, and we'll have some of these little kind of tidbits of things on this website as well. Um, but, you know, all materials are slightly different. I think one of the really fascinating parts is that actually in Ohio, we have so many recycling businesses that the majority of what you put into that recycling bin is actually going to get recycled and turned into a new product here in Ohio or surrounding states. That's one of the virtues and really the strengths of Ohio's recycling economy. Um, but it goes through a whole process. It's basically like unscrambling an egg almost because you're getting all this material that's mixed together and it goes into this facility that has you know, all these uh, belts and conveyors and um, eddy currents and lasers and air guns and all, it's, it seems like a big, you know, it's very amusing to a kid to go through it all because it's like separating all this material. Um, and so once it's separated, they bail it and then they find basically local processors who, who want to either, you know, process that material, let's say plastic bottles into what we call like plastic flake or pellets and those pellets then go to be sold to another company who's creating something with that plastic um, to, you know, glass, which uh, actually gets processed and then gets turned into fiberglass or other glass bottles. You know, you mentioned uh, Owens, Illinois or Owens Corning, you know, and so those are those are companies here in Ohio who reuse those materials. And all of that we refer to as the circular economy. And that's kind of, you know, it's basically helping to support the jobs or resources, the remanufacturing of those materials and the products that we can use. And I think that that is kind of a really underrepresented benefit of recycling is the opportunities it creates in terms of jobs and uh, benefits to the economy. I think a lot of people think of recycling, at least from what my understanding is, and I could be completely off base, right? But this is the way I, I the, the feel I get from talking to people sometimes is that recycling is like this thing that costs money and costs us jobs and it's like a pain, right? But I think that that's often an under-discussed benefit of recycling is the, the mm -hmm. economy and the boons it generates in terms of jobs and um, not only that, but I mean, of course, along with the environmental benefits, which are usually the highlight there. Um, but I think that's probably a good place to kind of pivot towards one of our last questions of the show, Kyle, and that's centered around the theme on Conquering Columbus. And uh, that theme is live uncomfortably, and without telling you too much about why we chose that topic, and uh, knowing, you know, you, knew, you mentioned earlier you knew Alex Picasso, and, and knowing we're wrestlers, you probably know a little bit about why we chose that, but what do you think of when you hear the phrase, and how does it apply to your life and career? Yeah, um, living uncomfortably, um, to me, is about challenging ourselves um, to do things that, you know, we might not be in the habit of doing, you know, that we know we should be doing. Um, and so I think as I look at the waste stream and even 
my personal growth through working in this field. You know, we talked today about, you know, it could just be, I want to learn more. You know, it's like, you know, being uncomfortable with even just taking the time or not asking the question, you know, about is this recyclable or looking it up can go a long way. You know, even to make an effort to reduce food waste, you know, that can be uncomfortable for people um, or to address that topic. So uh, for me, uh, living uncomfortably is about challenging yourself, um, you know, doing the right thing, uh, even though, you know, you may not uh, be used to doing that type of activity. So I, I would challenge, you know, and ask people to live a little bit uncomfortably when it comes to the waste stream. Um, look at the material that you're generating. It's okay to, to feel a little guilty. We, we all contribute to the waste stream. But know that there are options that you're in control of, you know. You can control this. This is one thing I always say that recycling is like voting for a better tomorrow. It's not just our environment. You know, it's all the other benefits that come with it. And so, you know, live uncomfortably. Uh, you know, challenge yourself to um, find ways to reduce the material uh, that you're generating or divert it. And there's a great website that you can go to here locally that can help to answer those questions, recycleright.org. Um, and always reach out to Swaco if you have any questions. Conquerors, thanks for tuning in. Tuning in, Kyle, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you having on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, guys, if you enjoyed that episode, you can uh, share it with your friends. Check us out on Facebook, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And, again, really appreciate you guys tuning in every week. Uh, so uh, give us a like. And we will talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like. Share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here, and that's going to start with FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to GoFMX.com. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent, through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state, and you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And our last sponsor is Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Finally, if you've ever wondered what it takes to start your own podcast, we're here to help. We're putting together a podcast startup package with our recommendations and some of the key lessons we learned over the past two years of podcasting. You can sign up by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. 
And while you're there, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook and be sure to subscribe and share Conquering Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.